Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Today, we continue our director spotlight for Michael Mann, and today on the docket is The Insider. It was released on November 5th, 1999. It was based on a Vanity Fair article called The Man Who Knew Too Much by Marie Brenner, and it was written for the screen by Michael Mann and Eric Roth. It was directed by Michael Mann. I am Colton Robertson. I'm joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And I am also joined by Tavares Pennington. What's up, buddy? Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Man, this is the first one. Man, didn't, I mean, it's man. Michael no, you, Mann. Didn't, you, didn't, you said man. that in the Vanity Fair article title, too. And I was like, ah, Michael Mann directed yeah, man, the man. man. The man, he had a movie a couple weeks back called Manhunter. So that was That's a fun true. one. You know, we, yeah. we really got, we really played that up. Um, <laughs> but uh the insider it's uh this was a surprise this was so i mean I, manhunter was a first watch for me as well but uh i like i like this one quite a bit tavaris how, how are you feeling about the insider fresh oh, off of this viewing this was one of the most interesting movies i've seen it since spotlight honestly which has very um similar journalistic feel to it mm-hmm. uh, but it was not at all what i was expecting honestly yeah no i uh i i didn't know exactly what i was getting into besides you know tobacco tobacco industry mm. uh and then i didn't even know it was a journalistic angle i i, I knew it was a whistleblower and that was it but i yeah. didn't know in what capacity he blew the whistle so and- it was a I didn't know in what way they depict this as a thriller. I was like, is this going to be like man's life is about to end? Or is it like, like somebody's after him? Is it like his life? Like all of it. Yeah. All of it really. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. Joe, how are you feeling about the insider fresh off of this? Oh yeah. It's just a, I need to get more journalistic movies under my belt. It seems uh, because I've only seen two and it's this one and the French dispatch, at least that I can remember very well and both of them are incredible movies and like i i have the urge to want to be a journalist much more after this one though i think right. like it's like french dispatches it's great and like i it's more of a fun take on it and some more it's of more like, of an artistic more. thing yeah. going on yeah. there you know yeah yeah but this is like a probably dramatized you know i don't think this is exactly how it goes down in the i don't know maybe it does maybe this is how Pretty it hard hitting um um like i yeah. i it, it just it was I liked specifically in the end credits how they said, like, you know, like, these parts of the, uh, like, these elements of the movie were dramatized, but, like, these oh, things shit. did I didn't happen. Even, yeah, it was, like a, it was like a postscript oh, yeah. a, a little oh. bit, I think, maybe after the last scene, um, yeah. where they had it a fades to black, and then they give you, like, here's what happened to this guy, here's what happened to this guy, here's what oh, happened maybe to this I, guy. Oh, maybe, okay, I remember that now. And it was like, while, while some of the events were dramatis, uh, dramatized, this is 
roughly how it went down, you know? And as far as the journalistic side of things, you know, they might have taken some liberties with the way Lowell Bergman went about getting it out. Early, early, like early, getting early into this, I'm going to go ahead and say my favorite scene is the final. Is that the final scene where Lowell Bergman is like walking out? He's like, I quit. <laughs> and they yeah. play the music and he's like in slow motion. And I'm like, what did he, did he just like walk out of the CIA or something? Like, no, he right. walked out it, of CBS. He did walk out of that building like it I was, know. uh, like, you're it, right. Yeah. Like he was Jason Bourne. Like he was like the, the most highly prized secret weapon. <laughs> I'm just like, this Bro is had the prince. Principles, you know, he's you know, the, like I, he's the hero. You know, there's two heroes, I'd say, of the movie. Oh, for sure. Um, but I don't know. I I liked Pacino's character a whole lot more. I thought it was like I've I've never been in. I've never really had this journalism fire spark uh-huh. ever. Um, I've I've always thought it'd be you know cool to do, but this was like, oh, I see like why people are so passionate about right. it. Like this is you could you could I mean really get passionate and like. For doing the right thing, not for you know the money and all the clicks and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. This was a really cool angle that I've I've exactly. never really thought about before. I really um, urge you to when you get a chance watch Spotlight. I don't know if there's a way that we could put that in sometime soon, but that movie because probably it, figure out a way to cover that because that's a fantastic fucking movie. It, I haven't watched it, it really for a couple is. years, but it's it's astonishingly well made. Um, You're not Catholic, are you, Joseph? Oh, I, I was born Catholic. Um, okay. Baptized. But yeah, bap- or sorry, baptized Catholic, uh, uh-huh. not confirmed. And then on my own, I'm no longer part of the religious group. Gotcha. Um, well, then you'll find Spotlight quite interesting. <laughs> you're like, you're like well, you aren't devoutly Catholic, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you kind of got to lead with that. <laughs> no, I am not. Um, so you might not yeah. like it if you are. Um, yeah. But uh, exactly. No, oh. yeah, it's. There's the okay. I just read the the uh-huh. uh, yeah, a little synopsis there. Okay. Yeah, I like that. No, I, like I, lo- the sound I love that. a journalistic. I love a journalistic movie. You know, I think it's uh, and and the fact that this one isn't two hour two hours and forty minutes, and the fact that it isn't really nothing but a journalism movie until the last hour and some change mm-hmm. is really fucking cool. Like you get to a point towards the middle like towards the end of the second act i would say um where you're like oh god why do we have an hour left in this movie you know like you're like yeah what's gonna fucking happen here you know um Mm because for for a movie that i mean like me and joe have been carving through a little bit of michael mann's filmography and it's been much more flashy it's been much more guns death violence uh Mm -hmm. and thief manhunter and heat and you know, getting to this one, you got the thriller, you got the mystery, you're anticipating something similar. Um, but no one, no one dies. No one gets killed. There's nothing like that. Um, and I would argue this is more intense than any of the three movies we watched prior in terms of, of on the edge of your, on the edge of your seat shit. Paranoia. Like they got the paranoia down. So well, I mean, like there were so many moments when, like, it, it's the most mundane thing happening. Like he's in the back of a police car, riding with them, and like they stop at a stoplight. And that's yeah. all they're doing. They're in, like the best part of town, I guess. But he's like, "This is my. This is maybe a setup where I'm gonna. I'm gonna die here." Like he's like, mm-hmm. "I. I could die right here." And then like they just drive on, and he's like, "Oh, like he's like, holy shit!" You know, and the, 
all they did was stop at a stoplight. Or, uh, I guess the raccoon, it, 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 it seemed that that foot, I don't know, do you think that footprint and the breaking Ooh. of the thing in the garden, like, do you think someone actually was back there? Or someone do you was. think it, it was him? And, okay, I think yeah. someone was. Because well, I can't remember if that scene was before or after he was at the golf range. Um, right after. It was, yeah, that's what I thought. It was right after, after. Which, okay. which was okay. giving me the impression, like, bro was absolutely mm-hmm. being followed. And someone the way watching him, yeah. That, that was like early on. I was like, "Wow!" Like I have to pay attention to the way that they're framing these scenes because, like, the way that they show paranoia by just like this man, like being like, "I like to play golf rather than talk about it," and he's just playing golf, and some other guy is playing too, and you're just like, "Why am I so scared? Like, what the fuck?" Yeah. Yeah. And there's this like this music. I don't know the score. It's kind of like this. Oh, it's so unsettling, good. like background noise that always plays whenever he's like in that paranoia kind mm-hmm. of mode um and then any I, I loved the score of this movie like you had that a, paranoid score and then you also had whenever there was like a bright moment and there was like that really choral vocal theme yeah. that was like a choir yeah. singing together it i loved that shit awesome the score um, was awesome it even sounded like the last of us for a one scene i remember i was like listening to the music and i'm like man this kind of sounds exactly like the last of us like the main theme of like that opens the the yeah. show and i'm like man this the music was everywhere and i thought it was it awesome sounds so ahead of it sounded so ahead of its time like i felt like there were just elements of this movie with the cinematography as well as the soundtrack that just seemed like it was a movie that was made in like 2010 not 1999 yeah, I, that's that's one thing I've, I've actually noticed on the michael mann like spotlight i'm usually one to not really notice a soundtrack or or a score but like off Thief, like watching that, I was like, I was in love with the music. But apparently, it's like not liked at all. Like people, like it's Tangerine <laughs> Dream, whatever. I don't know. I've, I haven't really heard of them. But I'm like watching the movie. I'm like, this fucking goes hard. I'm like, it was like it, nominated for a Razzie for, yeah, for the worst. Score. Yeah, for um, one of the really? worst. But I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow. yeah. It was like, I but guess no, was, that's the thing. Like you said something about him being ahead of his ahead of mm-hmm. his time. And that's kind of something we've come away from each of the last three movies feeling is that like, there's something about man that's vaguely ahead of the curve. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's doing something that people aren't really doing for another five, 10 years later. Um, and the yeah, yeah, there's, there's mm-hmm. a, there's an intensity here that like, I mean, this came out, um, the same year as like Fight Club, yeah, ninety nine. Wow. wow, Matrix. Yeah, um, what else is like ninety nine? Yeah, that's this. And it has an older feel, but also like a new. It, it's now that you say Matrix and Fight Club, like those kind of seem like newer, modern ish movies. Just in terms of the story, yeah. Oh, I guess but, this is set back. Oh, yeah. I guess true. It, it would be like what year is this? 95 oh so it's not that far back okay no 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 no. it's it's mid it's mid 90s but no yeah like there's a in terms of the storytelling it's it's interesting because it feels like in in a purely filmmaking aspect it it is more akin to the action thriller and like this isn't an action movie in any capacity but it has that sort of tangible intensity that you're like it might as well be gun uh gunfire and car chases mm-hmm. and shit and that's not at all what this movie is and it feels like it feels more akin to some of the stuff that came out in the late 2000s early 2010s in that mm-hmm. capacity i think another yeah. thing that helps you know uh emphasize the 
the age of the movie a little bit is uh i mean russell crowe this is this is baby russell crowe right here. looking young yeah uh-huh. um he deteriorates over the movie they do a good job of yeah. like showing him like getting worse and like just just kind of giving up a little bit um and like and, the anxiety, the anxiety I felt in the hotel scene with the uh, desk guy who, who's coming, and he's like, yeah. he's not answering. I don't know what you want, and he's just like, just tell him, just tell him. And I'm like, yeah, this is. Intense. I thought he was dead already. I thought yeah. like, because he started, you know, he was looking out the window. He called, you know, fuck you, whatever, blah blah blah. <laughs> or no, I don't even think he. It was just oh, he watched. He saw it. Was that what happened? Like he saw the. The interview uh, show up, but it wasn't him. He was all blacked so, out. And yes, like that. yeah, Is that, that what he was watching that's in it. Okay, I'm. Uh, I'm also yeah. yeah I, I kind of want to work through some of the that those last steps because I'm kind of confused on how exactly everything happened. Like, did they eventually release the full unedited they interview? Did. They did okay. eventually, and that's my favorite scene of the movie: is the vindication of uh, the, of the actual full interview being displayed, uh-huh. and his kids watching it on the couch. There was a, like I I actually I actually cried with this movie. It was a crying like, moment. Yeah. Um, okay. Whenever uh, whenever his daughter was watching the TV, and then he like looks, she like looks up to him in that moment. I was like, because that's what that's what it was for. Like that is why he wanted this out. For the people, and then he wanted them to know why he needed to do it, why he put them in danger, why this all happened. So, whenever he got that vindication, and then Al Pacino, you know, rolls over and hugs his wife and is like, uh, and she's like, "You won." He's like, "Did I?" That's you maybe know? my line. Yeah, that that was another option, and uh, he says, "Yeah, but what did I win?" You know, yeah, like, what did I win? He's so and dramatic. At first, <laughs> at first. I thought he was trying to be like sexy, sexy time. Like, what did I win? You know, like uh, I won. What did I win? But then I'm like, oh no, this is a uh, much more of a meet. They, they, I love their cup, their their relationship. They're Dude. like perfect for each other. Um, uh-huh. like they were just so chill. And like he would, he'd come home and like just be like, they'd have like philosophical conversations, and it would seem that they were mad at each other, but you could tell that that's just like that's how, how they talk. That's just yeah. like yeah, that's that's just what they what they were about but uh no i i like bergman lowell i don't know what do you what do you call him bergman or lowell 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 how do you Lowell bergman right lowell yeah that's just a hard word for me to say yeah. i don't know yeah, lowell, bergman. lowell lowell or lowell like is there a is it one syllable or two technically lowell. two but lowell. nobody's gonna fault you for saying lowell okay i'm gonna stick with bergman that's cool. um I, 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 think, I don't know well, i i I just like it just it's too weird for me to say but he got my character like for sure I was like without a doubt I'm like this guy like he sparked this like journalistic thing in me I didn't even know existed and also just like he's the like as close to like a I don't know not a superhero but like he's doing it for like the best reasons you could possibly do it for you know and and like he's a man of his word you know he was like I if you're the source, like your story's gonna get out, I'm not gonna leave you to dry or whatever. And then whenever it does happen, he's like, I can't continue on anymore. Like, how can I even continue on knowing that this happened? I go up to my next person and say, Hey, you know, we we got you or what? Like he's Maybe. like, I, I can't promise them yeah. anything. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my god! Like he's 
what a like a, a moral compass, like a moral compass of a character that can also be Al Pacino at some points, you know, when he's just oh yeah, saying some got a great ass. ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh man, man, yeah. He, uh, I don't I'm know. A, I wonder if the if the tor tortoise tortious tor tortious tortious interference sounds like a disease caught by a radio. He said, um, and it gave. Uh, I don't know. It, it gave Christopher Plummer like a an actual like laugh. I felt like he act like I don't know. It, it felt like it was kind of an improv moment because his laugh felt so real in that yeah. moment. Um, but no, I'm I'm going with. I just had that there so I'd remember it. The line, but I'm, I'm going two, with uh, the you won. Um, there's some incredible remember? chemistry put on display by like a couple of the the duos in here, uh, Al Pacino and Russell Crowe, obviously, and their scenes oh. together. They are firing on all cylinders. But Al Pacino perfect. and Christopher Plummer, ooh, they yeah. uh, they were going yeah. in together in this one. There's a moment where I I ultimately went with Russell Crowe for my performance, uh, but yeah. there was. There was a moment in the middle of the movie where I almost went with Al Pacino for like a single fucking look. It was one thing he did, and I was like, "Oh man, that might be my favorite my favorite thing anyone's done in this movie." Um, and it's when he's fighting the he's fighting for his guy, you know, he's fighting for his boys. Um, and he's like, "No, like we're not gonna do this. We're not." And he's like, uh, "Mike, come on!" And he's like, "I'm with Don on this one." And he's like, "He's like full," and then he just Leave. like oh, he, he goes back to yeah. zero. He and looks at him with like complete contempt, I and he's just like, he's on, like he's rambling, he's on a rant, you know, he's pissed, mm-hmm. he's like, you guys are fucking terrible. Like, since when did the lawyers or the presidents decide what we put on, you know, whatever? Like, and he even had like a, like some, I don't know, legal document where he's like, oh, and we're about to sell some shares to Westinghouse, and look who profits mm-hmm. off it the most you motherfucker and you're getting this much money and this deal is going to make it look bad is that why we're not airing the story you know he's like right. one is he telling the truth yes he is you know or whatever two is he is this like a, a something that the public should know yes and it's like from that then we the answer is clear like we're going to air it you know i loved how like how he broke everything down and like i really thought that that mike was like going to come around and be like oh you know yeah like he's right like in this case, because he is, you know, like I think everyone in that office knows he's right, but they're just so afraid of what can happen because, I mean, Big Tobacco, I mean, that's, it's a villain entity that I didn't know existed really, um, but it makes sense. You know, we got Big Pharma now. I'd say Big Tobacco was the worry before, though. Um, I, I don't know, yeah. really, like it's... Another thing that kind of dates the movie is we obviously know uh, cigarettes are very addictive and that they yeah. are very bad for you. You know, it's like and it's, that the tobacco companies know that. Yeah, and for like on sure. every nicotine thing that you buy, a massive label that is like hazardous, uh, addictive. You know, nicotine is very mm. addictive now. You know, or or whatever. But before it was, hey, you want to look fucking cool in middle school? Go buy a pack of cigarettes and smoke. Well, it was it like the, the whole, I don't know, like the, the section where it's, the, they're breaking down the legalities of it. And they're like, why can we, how can we run the story? What can we do? Mm-hmm. And one of them is like, a, it's the classic, I don't know, you know, like we give it to you, whatever happens to you after that. I don't know. It's up to you, man. Like that's on you. Um, uh, I, I loved, I loved that beat in the movie. There was a, and I love the way that Christopher Plummer's Mike Wallace at the end, you know, his justification for being on the side. 
of of CB of CBS, which I didn't. Oh, uh, I mean, I didn't love. Um, but it uh, worked. But, like, like no, I at get least it. for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his, I don't know. It, it, didn't he like come into uh, Bergman's like hotel room or something like that? And then he was he was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, he's like when you get to my age, mm-hmm. or like yeah, that's that. It's a whole different factor. People uh, only you, remember what you did at the end, basically. And if mm-hmm. I aired an interview that led CBS to being bought out by Brown and Williamson. That's all I'd be remembered for. And like, you know, I get, I get that. Uh, but, and I love the way that whenever Al Pacino's character, Lowell Bergman quits and he looks at me, goes, I quit. And he goes like, no, you're not, you're fucking with me. And he's like, no, I, I quit. And then he like walks out and he like looks back at him and there's like this flash of a smile on Christopher Plummer's face. Yes. I, that's I, what I fucking loved that. Oh that my God. got me. And it just makes you think about that scene where he was like, uh, um, where he realized the interview got cut off Christopher Plummer's character and he's just like, what the fuck? Like, are you going to tell me? I think that was like what he was in. He was like, you're going to tell me after doing this shit for 50 years, like that I don't know what I'm doing. And I was just like, you could see that like there was this apathy almost or just this willingness to be aggressive with the influencers or the people who like claim control over a corporation at that level, like they needed to have some of that feistiness and him saying, I quit was the most feisty thing he could say, especially when he, when he's going to go work for the competitor. I think it said he went, he went and worked for a front line on PBS. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Maybe I didn't catch that. Maybe I just closed the movie off right at the end with the credits. Yeah, mate. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that he went on to do stuff. I think I just turned it off, man. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you for that. Honestly, the uh, no, I didn't it, realize it was. And I mean, like it's. It, it was. It was. That's the only blemish to me. Is like it felt like parts of this movie were really windy and long and over bloated. Honestly. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I. Uh, this is one of those rare ones where I think the uh, the format. You know, I think me and Joe talked about this Manhunter quite a bit. Like, there's a whole first hour of the movie which is dedicated to the investigation of a serial killer and then like 35 out of the last 40 minutes are about the serial killer like that is Mm -hmm. that is what we are doing the rest of the movie and i think there's an interesting thing done here where the first hour and 45 minutes of this movie are about you know his trying to overcome Mm -hmm. all his circumstance and testifying at the interview at uh uh, yeah, Wiggins. Yes. Uh, that's oh, who I'm talking about. Uh, and then, ultimately, the last hour of the movie is about Bergman trying his best to make sure that he did right by Wigand uh, right. throughout the time. Um, and I do think that structurally, like, there's a few things in this movie that are there more to dictate the time period it's taking place in. There's a there's a relevancy mm-hmm. thing where like. Uh, the Unabomber stuff was interesting. Like, yeah, the fact that uh, he was like Lowell Bergman was just like on the side finding the Unabomber. Um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. that's a nuts thing. I thought I didn't know there was like a hunt for him. I thought it was just he did it and me too know, got caught. I had no idea there was like a hunt for him at all. Um, well, and that cut to him staying in that fucking cabin and then looking out his window. And looking straight at a trailer, and you don't even really know what the fuck that is until the end of the movie when they're like, "We found the Unabomber," and you're like, yeah. 
what the fuck? This dude was just like, he was so preoccupied with this big tobacco thing that he was like, ah, gotta go take a vacation. Guess I'll go find the fucking Unabomber. You know, like. At the beginning of the movie, he was blindfolded and taken into some fucking like drug cartel or like something, you know? Like he, I think it was just to show that that's what journalist, that's just like what what he does. You know, know, it's like, it was the first, it was the first example of, I thought we were about to get into something extremely, extremely relevant. Um, I, I did whenever the, the gentleman he was interviewing was like, why should I go on uh, a pro Zionist, uh, media, media conglomerate and talk about my my reasons. I was I was gonna be like, oh okay, here we go. Let's fucking do this thing, yeah, you know. Sure. Like I'm, I guess I guess I got to be ready for this tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, you know. Uh, but ultimately, yeah. that was only like five minutes of the movie. Um, I think it was more than anything to show the sort of stuff that Lowell what what his job was. His job was to go there and secure that interview, and it could it in that scenario specifically, it could have meant his death. You know, like uh, there was no there was no guarantee that he was going to make it out. And uh, one of my favorite shots of this movie actually came during that uh, that opening sequence where he had the burlap sack over his head in the car. One of my favorite visual languages of this movie is Mm. the close ups that take up like half the screen. uh, And it's like perfectly split down the middle of their face and then the background behind them. And there's like a the atmosphere behind them and the burlap sack over face kept fluctuating fluctuating in and out of focus and it mm. was a uh, very cool it wasn't ultimately my yeah. shot but uh it did yeah. go on to influence what i did pick for my shot which was russell crowe in his hotel room towards the end of the movie whenever it seems like he's thinking about taking a leap um and mm. he's sitting there and you see half his oh. face and his eyes are full of tears and He's really, really dark, dimly lit, but there's light behind him, and it's that's fucking gorgeous. But uh, is that when the walls like start to change, and he like it's, sees it's his right kids before and, that? Yeah, it's like, right before. Oh, that. dude, yeah. that was awesome. No, yeah, like I think I see it. It well, maybe not. That's not it. Actually, I don't know. In your the graphic you made, there's my graphic of, does have the shot I picked. Um, okay, I thought so. Um, but yeah, that, I, the half frame face. I didn't pick up on that, but that's they did do that a lot. Um, my, I, I was going back and forth. I, I put one in here to remember it. Just the uh, Japanese, whenever they're at that, like, it, were they at, like, one of his Japanese students' house? Like, he was teaching. He was a Japanese teacher as well as a chemistry teacher. Mm-hmm. But he was teaching Japanese to someone in a, like, very Japanese house, you know? Like, there, was that, that a house a, or was that, I, like, a school? I took that to be a Japanese r- restaurant, like a very authentic oh, restaurant. A restaurant. Yeah, oh, he, was, or, I, like the I person he speaks like Japanese to before is. I thought that was like uh, a, as a waitress. Oh, no. maybe was I just I don't know. I thought it was like a child. There? Like I, he, yeah, he, Lowell was sitting across from him, and yeah, he was talking to Bird. I thought it was like a literal kid that like came up because he spoke Japanese to him. He was like, yeah, yeah, you know, or whatever. Um, thought yeah, for some reason I thought it was like a child that he was talking to. I mean, I guess it would make sense. It, I, I, it just feels like a, an odd spot for him to meet with his... Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, that is not a child. I read that <laughs> air, just the whole thing so wrong. I'm like... Oh, yeah, I, I think it's just a really talking. authentic Japanese yeah. restaurant with like a back room for them okay. to be privately in. And, uh, I see, I see. Yeah. I, but, uh, I don't know. I guess sure. all of that to build up, 
uh, I re- I'm a sucker for Japanese aesthetics. Uh, I, I absolutely love their culture and their dinner tables. I swear they need, we need to get on this wave. Like oh, the yeah. low seats, the cushions on the floor, you know, it's, it's, it's a comfy, it feels more personal. You know, I feel like, um, we need to get on that wave of getting our tables lower to the fucking ground. And, uh, but I thought the shot was also just awesome when it pulled back and it just showed both of them sitting like crisscross. Oh, wow. I, I think it's hilarious seeing like, uh, people just sitting crisscross applesauce. Yeah. I don't know why, but like if it's, if it's like a famous person and they're just like, I, I, it feels just such like, like a childish thing to do. It's just sitting down. I don't know why it's funny to me, but no, but yeah, Al Pacino sitting crisscross applesauce is a little like, funny. Yeah. Why is that funny? I don't know, but it is to me. No, I, get it. I get it. I get it. There was a really interesting editing choice during that where Michael Mann breaks a very basic rule of filmmaking. And I got to guess it was intentional. Um, or he mm. breaks the 180 degree rule where mm-hmm. he keeps cutting back and forth to opposite sides of the table. And Russell Crowe's on the left side of the screen, Al Pacino's on the right. And then it cuts to another angle yes. where Al Pacino's on the left and Russell oh. Crowe's on the right. Um, yes. Yes, yes. And it keeps I... doing that uh, throughout their conversation. And it's kind of the way that I've always perceived breaking that rule if done well. And I think this movie does a decent job of it is showing different sides of an argument. So like mm-hmm. whenever, Russell Crowe was making a point. He was on the left side of the screen. And then when Al Pacino was making a point, he was on the left side of the screen. And, or maybe it was the right side, which yes. would make more sense, you know, but you know, like, uh, that, that sort of thing. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting back and forth that I just stuck out to me. I really appreciated it. But, uh, I noticed another 180 break, like he broke it again. Uh, whenever he, whenever He's going back in to sign the new agreement, um, disclosure agreement with his, you know, with the company. Um, and he tells him, like, fuck you guys, you know, like he storms out. Yeah, it goes behind his head. And, like, it's to me, that was like a clear, like, all right, we're breaking the 180 because now he's in fuck you mode, um, sort of thing. You know, he's like, now he's, he's on mm-hmm. uh, a whole different. You went from the right side of the screen to the left side of the yeah. screen, and there was but a I very, didn't know- yeah. That's right. In that scene, they, it was a, a very jumpy back and forth. And they mm-hmm. were also, I think they were there for a long time as well because, like, it, it showed, uh, like, I feel like it was not daytime, but sort of somewhat still light ish outside. And then it was, like, very dark, um, outside. And I think, like, it was to show that they've just been talking for a long time. Right. Um, it seemed that well. these two had that sort of relationship whenever they dropped the kids off at school and then, uh, you know, he pulls, they go and park somewhere on the waterfront. And then, you know, he's like, well, I got to go pick the kids up. It's been a half day. Even if it's a half day, it's been like three and a half or four hours. You know what I'm saying? They've been talking. Yeah, yeah. no, <clears throat> I think I mean, it's it really, a big deal. Yeah, no, it, it, it kind of shows like the intention that Bergman had when he was dealing with his, with his sources. Cause it's like, he was willing to pretty much spend as much time as he needed to do what he needed to do and to hear what he needed to hear. Um, which is not a thing that I think most um, <clears throat> most journalism is perceived as doing. Mm. No, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. This was, I, I, like, I loved the internals of CBS. And then, like, Pacino having to use other news, like New York Times and, like, yeah. other things because, like, they just weren't doing it, you know? And, like, journalists... you're wrong. Yeah, and, like, journalists are are, like, cool enough, like, with each other. Like, they're all, you know... They're rivals, I guess, but they're in it for the same ideals. If you can, you know, I felt like that, well, that guy he was talking with versus yeah. 
mm-hmm. uh, on screen and stuff. There's there's a yeah. little bit less of a rivalry there, but you know, ultimately it is war in corporations and stuff. But mm-hmm. when it comes to journalistic integrity, I feel like there's an understanding amongst amongst journalists in general that yeah and like if you're trying to do the right thing if you're trying to say the right thing it doesn't matter what company you work for or where where you are and what, mm-hmm. what we're doing exactly. uh, i loved i like that was one thing because i mean like there was a point in my life where that was that was what i was going to pursue i went to mizzou to mm-hmm. get a journalism degree and i was i was all in on that and uh obviously that didn't last long but uh i really i really did I love, I still love that culture and that spirit and that, and everything yeah. that goes with it. And that aspect of this movie was overwhelmingly cool to me. Like I loved Al Pacino. Uh, Al Pacino's Lowell Bergman is just so easily my favorite character in this movie. And, you know, when it comes to the man movies we've covered, maybe my favorite Michael Mann character we've had. Ooh. Um, Talk about it. Yeah. Let's see. We got, you know, Vincent Hanna, Neil McCauley, and and Heat—they're pretty cool, but I'm never like behind one of them. I'm like I am actively rooting for Al Pacino, like low, like low. I can't. Yeah, I tried to do it. Bergman. I, uh, Bergman, like I am actively rooting for him and actively like like you like. I think he he's cool. Like every time he's on screen, I'm like this guy just fucks. Like this, he's like just an overall. He's on it, you know. He's a hard-working journalist. He goes, every, he got the Unabomber. He he freaking broke down big tobacco, you know. Yeah. And uh, dude, on the side, yeah, yeah. It's just that's that's your life. Bro, that's, bro was catching the Unabomber to kill time. That's right? a crazy life to live. Like I remember, we were talking about like uh, like detective movies make me sometimes think like, ooh, I want to be a detective. But then you're like, you'll see all that shit. And you're like, ah, maybe not. You know, you think about it. It's like, I don't know. Journalism, though. Uh, it's a cool, it's right. a cool, uh, it, it's one of the most important jobs. It is. And Spotlight had a, a very similar effect on me where I was like, holy shit, like journalism, that's that's the thing mm. that's important. I can like do something with that. Um, and now being on what's colloquially called the dark side of journalism of public relations. It's Mm. this movie was very interesting to see kind of how, why um, things like public relations exist because it's to kind of navigate these complex situations where you're Mm. dealing with uh, corporate interests along with like um, moral vindication, moral responsibility. Um, It it just, it was, it was very unique seeing, um, the way that journalists talk with each other, because it was kind of like they're testing, like each one is testing the other's, um, I guess, moral integrity. Fortitude. Yeah, yeah. Integrity. Yeah. It's just, just like how scientists peer review each other and make sure they're all right. It's like kind of, it's the yep. same, it's like a science. I mean, it's like, it's the truth, you know, and you don't, if you're yeah. caught lying like one time, like you're fucked you know it's kind of it's kind of like career ending if you don't hold your integrity and it used to be oh i guess fair enough which yeah i was gonna say it's a whole different ball game i feel like thing about this movie is like watching this and recognizing what journalism like once was Mm -hmm. and to see like what it's kind of become Um, yeah, it's, you know, they're fighting big tobacco and then like the more modern version, I guess would be like big pharma, but there's also, uh, the big media, I guess now, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they, I mean, they have like, it is, I, I just feel like it is controlled to a point that we have, 
Like, we don't think it's controlled as much as it is. We've reached a point where we can hardly trust our journalists. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's a dangerous place to be. You know, like, as especially in a democratic society, that is one of the most dangerous places you can arrive is where mm-hmm. you you're not sure what network you can trust. You're not sure what journalists you should be listening to because you don't know what what intentions they have, who they're working for, yeah. what's going on, you know? And that's why it's like, that was part of why I lost interest in becoming a journalist, yeah, you know, is because I was like, I would love to, and you know, obviously I'm, we're not doing like hard hitting deep yeah. work here, but I, I get to be honest. I get to do, I get to say things that I think I get to say things that I believe. And I get to, you know, uh, speak free of any interference with what I have to say. And, uh, yeah, it's like the evolution of media. It's like, at first, you had to like go hear from some guy stand up on a soapbox or just word of mouth. That's all it was. And then books came out and newspapers, whatever. But people couldn't read, so they still had to have it read to them or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But like once now we're in the modern era, like newspapers are a thing. Like it's everyone's reading. That's how everyone gets their news. It's like you don't even question to tr- like to trust it or not. And then like on TV, like it just it, it's been getting easier and easier to like uh fake things and just uh mm-hmm. you you don't know what you know like ironically it, it, enough it's easier and easier to fake things when it feels like we live in an era where it should be easier and easier to disprove false falsity um so yeah. i it's it's just uh it, that's one of the things that made me just that's one of the reasons this movie just really emotionally resonated with yeah. me is that I think that the the spirit of journalism and the integrity that it requires to be a good journalist, it's it's almost lost. And there are obviously still good journalists. I don't want to dismiss everyone altogether. You know, like it's yeah. it's it's not but it's, they're, they're rowing upstream, you know, it's like but the yeah, stream yeah. is is an entire ocean. It's not a river, it's a fucking yeah. ocean that they're competing yeah. against. Mm-hmm. Um it's like Literally, yeah, near impossible. Or would urge you to like pay attention to what the Kansas City Star publishes, which is supposed to be the preeminent source of news media in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It is comparatively some of the most sensationalized headlines and stories that you could choose. And there are literally reporters like that have been there for twenty plus years in the past few months that have left because of it. And it's wow. like it's wow. it's becoming a major issue. Yeah, well, everything's become like every. It's all becoming a major issue, you know. Like I, I think that there, there was that there was just one little moment that kind of like broke my heart, and I know this still exists, but not in the same way. There, just when they dropped off the paper and the New York Times threw the fucking thing in their little their little container, they locked it up and they left. You know, I was like, damn man, I would love to just go fucking just go on on the fucking corner and pick up a goddamn newspaper right? and have it mean something, bro. Like, oh my god, like uh, imagine like something in the, like like say Kansas just blew up overnight, just over, you know, <laughs> didn't yeah, we had no clue, it's just it's gone. I'd find out on Twitter. Yes, exactly. We open up our fo- you'd wake up and you're like, "Holy shit, Kansas blew up," you know? But in this time, you had to go out on the street Grab a paper where other people are reading these same things, and everyone is realizing all of this at the same time. That's like, that's just cool. Um, it's just, it is a whole different. It's just a different ball game. It's like phones are awesome, and I like, I don't, I, I, it's attached to me everywhere I go. 
but man, if I could hit a big red button to just go back, um, go back before this time and and experience what it was like to to live without the technology fully, I I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, just I don't know. I I think it is your line. I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, if it is what you're going with, Col- Colton. Um, but like when it whenever it was said, I'm like it's kind of like I don't feel like there are many people. Mm. like this yeah when he's on the phone when he's on the phone with jeffrey and he's i mean like i love the way that that scene ends where because that's the scene when he's you know he clocks oh you're gonna kill yourself you're about to commit suicide um Mm -hmm. like let's let's take it easy you know um whenever he says uh there's many people that care about you yeah i'm running out of heroes guys like you are in short supply I fucking loved that line. You know, that was that was the heart of this movie for me because mm-hmm. these two are the only guys like that in this movie. You know, like I mean the New York Times reporter is you could argue is like that, you know, he's like, "Oh, I got to I, I got to check with my editor. I got to run it up the flag." And then he's like, "Okay, you got page 1 and editorial. Let's fucking do this thing. Let's hear it." You know, he's like, "Oh, I can't tell you anything, but I'll tell you if you're wrong." You know, and then that whole scene fucking incredible like it was just for me like i i can understand tavares what you're saying about this potentially being a little bloated but i couldn't really point you to a scene in my in my personal opinion where i was was left kind of like oh well i I wish this one would kind of pick it up like i I, every everything i i look back on and remember i'm like oh that was fucking good you know um Like the, it seemed the FBI was in on it too. Maybe that's just how the feds are, and they're just so fucking fed it up that it's unbelievable. But like, whenever they're like, "Oh no, you put the bullet in your mouth," they knew, like they they like knew he had a thirty eight caliber, you know, sort of. And thing. they like, like took his laptop, took his computer, gone. Laptop, didn't even. No yeah, like in the, <laughs> the only piece of incriminating evidence that he had was that email. And the only place it exists in his house is that computer. And it's like, and, and he literally calls the guy and he has to be like, look, like, I don't want to say you're in on it, but I may have to imply that if you don't like do something about the fact that this just happened. Yeah. Oh, he, oh, you know, he was, whenever, yeah. whenever he calls up his man on the end, like in, in the FBI and he's like, oh. Hey, do you want to check out these guys who have jobs waiting for them on in personal security once they're out of the bureau? And, you know, maybe yeah. some of their former bosses that are already there. Do I yeah. really have to look into that for you? You know, like, uh, it's <laughs> an incredible, incredible sequence uh, of events, you know? Yeah. Uh, what a, I, this is like a, it's kind of like an Oppenheimer moment. You know, he has like this piece of knowledge that like, I love that vanity. The man who knew too much. Is that the title? Mm-hmm. The yeah. Man, yeah. That's like perfect. Like, it's like, he, he's just, you know, uh, not the most socially, uh, except, you know, he's, he's very socially awkward. Um, but you, you can pick up that he was a smart guy, you know, he could focus and he could concentrate very well. And they chose him for a reason, you know, and he was like, they said it was for sales. So I, I just kept my head out of things where I, I didn't think it like I should have been. Um, but like, it'd be crazy to like be, it feels like he didn't sign on. He signed, he said, like, I took the money. The money was nice. But they made it seem that he wasn't doing something evil. That it was like for a a flavor or something that would enhance the taste. But it it ended up just being like to push nicotine harder. 
you know. Mm. So like the, it was pure manipulation from the very beginning. Uh, from like yeah, the whole it, se- it's, I, it seemed like what he was getting into was just a way to like literally to enhance the effects of cigarettes. But he also ended up studying the effects they have on mm-hmm. people. And when he discovered mm-hmm. that and that he knew they knew that he got fired. Um, and it, that was that really a secret for that long? Did people like like people just didn't know they were that bad for you? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it was like it was a thing where they. It it was it was so it showed so much to see how these tobacco companies talked about their own product, like to say that they were providing um, nicotine delivery. Um, uh, what was it? Nicotine delivery. Yeah. We're in the like, nicotine delivery business. Or yeah, whatever, nicotine delivery said. business. Yeah. Uh, other than like the tobacco business, which you would think would be the primary um, part of their of their product, that's not at all. And it just kind of shows like how they're trying to manipulate people it's to think like, like it's, it's not it's not it's not a smoke to look cool and give you a buzz it right. is we need you addicted to this so that you buy it over and over and over again like it's yeah i mean like business 101 it it, it like it pays for itself you know it's like i mean this like yeah it's 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 a a no-brainer if you're an evil business guy but like your customers won't live as long you know, I guess you'll you'll make the money, and you know you'll always have your fresh supply of people. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, and I guess cigarettes and like they probably used to be a lot more natural and like just real tobacco rolled up and you know whatever. But then once manufacturing got into it, I'd say that's what that's what really yeah. Because yeah, people have been, I mean, folks have been smoking tobacco for yeah yeah and hundreds like, of years. Like that's not a new practice. It's uh. It's the the addictiveness and the uh, the chemical enhancement and everything that has really created something uh, evil. You know, uh, there's actually a uh, SNL is growing increasing, increasingly uh, hit or miss and uh, mostly miss uh, in recent years. You know, but uh, last weekend or yes, last weekend. Maybe the weekend before there was a weekend update. Weekend updates always been one of my favorite little segments of SNL. A weekend updates uh, segment where they were talking about Australia planning to ban vapes. They're, like that's something that they are looking to oh, do wow. because it is wow. it's growing to the point where it's getting cigarette levels, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it, so, like one of the things they did, they were like, uh, "And now to talk about that, a good old fashioned cigarette, and it's a dude in a giant cigarette costume." Oh um, my god, I think I. I saw a picture of it. I didn't see the actual video, but I saw a picture of it. It was, it was fucking hysterical to me, you know? And, uh, and obviously he's, it's, it's embellishing. This Saturday, Saturday, the Emma Stone hosted Noah Khan, uh, Saturday night live skit where they have a fucking cigarette. Are you shitting me, dude? Oh yeah. This, this, I don't know. We, we, Tab, I don't know if we've, if you're in on this, but like, I, I swear there is a real Truman show possibility. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's very unlikely that we're in a Truman show situation where, you know, obviously it's very, very unlikely. The chances are not zero. And they're like, we've, <laughs> we've been, we, we've been like, I don't know. There's just been too many coincidences very recently. Like, I mean, very recently. That's been, that's um, been piling up a little bit lately. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind you of know, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, uh, 
you may be onto something, you know. I can't confirm. You could not. be into it, you know. That's the thing. No, Tavares so will recall we did our like fourth episode of the podcast when the peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves thing came about, and then like within months, Keanu Reeves was having a fucking renaissance resurgence of okay. being the most beloved yeah, man was, alive. That was wild. You know that new Kingsman movie that's coming out where, like, the author, her actual things just come true? What if, yeah. like, we got a little bit of that juice, you know? Like, we whatever. Got a little bit of the Argyle thing going whatever on. We got, whatever we talk about just so happens to, like, come back into the public eye for a little bit. Um, <laughs> maybe. But, no, but yeah, it's, it's. But that was one of the funny, like, one of the fucking jokes they said. It was, the dude was like, you want to know how good cigarettes are? You want to know how good cigarettes are? We are, <laughs> cigarettes are dessert for sex. Um, they were like, they're like, that sex was great, but you know what I really need right now? A little bit of me, you know? Uh, <laughs> I can, that's pretty funny. I need to watch that. That's no, it's, awesome. it's only like two minutes. It was a really funny skit, but no, I've yeah. Never, like, it's, have you ever smoked a, a cigarette in your life? Me? Yeah. I've never even tried one. I haven't. I have not tried. Boy. Um, and it's mostly Boy, because my parents instilled in me a, uh, mm. a, a deep, deep, um, if you ever smoke cigarettes, I'll kick your ass sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You yeah, said your parents instilled that. Yeah. Yeah. Big one. Big time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember hearing stories when I was younger, like my mom used to smoke cigarettes and it wasn't like she was like addicted to cigarettes, but she would, you know, she, she, you know, like, like most, most people our age, like you get drunk. Drunk cigs. Apparently drunk I've heard that they're just yeah. fucking unreal, a drunk cig. And I wanted to try it. That's the closest I've ever gotten. I was drunk and I'm like, Same here. <laughs> I was like, I maybe, I was maybe thinking about it, but even no, drunk me was like, uh, no. like, like, I, uh, I won't put it past me. I will almost cert- like, I'm, I'm a grown ass man. The odds of me not trying a cigarette are near fucking like, like, yeah, it'll probably <laughs> happen eventually. Uh, yes, know? of course it will. I just well, haven't yet. Um, and it's, I, I, but the thing is, is that this movie, <laughs> it was so interesting that it made me feel like I was like <laughs> betraying good people if I have a cigarette now, you know, like I'm like, look, <laughs> look at what these people fought for. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there was yeah, a moment yeah, where he was like, I don't know, Al Pacino was doing something. He was done, like done for the day or something like that. I don't know. And he was he reached in his pocket to like pull out just his phone. But I thought he was pulling out a box of cigarettes. Like, I thought he was about to light one up. And I literally went, no. Like, I, in the movie, I'm like, wait a minute, you can't do that. That's evil. And I'm like, it's a cigarette. Like, what the oh, fuck? Yeah. What, what? But in that moment, I'm like, no, you can't do that. that that's against oh, your yeah. character. Yeah. Um, no, that's my thing, too, is that, like, I uh, I also don't give a shit if you smoke cigs. That's not something I'm ever going to be yes. like, you disgusting fuck. You know, like, I don't care. Do what you, just, do what you want, yeah. man. I don't care. And um, my uh, uncle, he... I, he tried it, you know, and and his parents are very, very, very old-fashioned, very strict. He smoked one cigarette. They found out they made him smoke and eat the entire no, pack. No, Yeah, he didn't keep it down, obviously. That's um, but he That's never, he, he's, from that day, he's like, I haven't even thought about touching a cigarette. Um, and I, I, I see why, you know. I mean, after that, I'd be like, yeah, that that's it. Um, yeah, pretty much. But. Yeah, that's I don't know. Cigar I, I have to, I've tried a cigar. Um haven't I haven't partaken in plenty of the yeah, I'd be much more inclined to try a cigar at this yeah, point. Yeah, you don't inhale it? I didn't know that. Uh don't inhale a cigar. Oh. 
Absolutely I did uh, because I, I, the first thing I've ever smoked, well, I guess I had a jewel, but then like I was just used to carts, you know, like that's why at school I'm like smoking my cart, whatever. I hit a cigar like a fucking cart and uh, my friend, CD, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I literally threw up and he's like, he like right when I did it, my friend was looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? And then <laughs> and then a minute later, I'm uh, I'm on the side of the, of the oh, house throwing yeah. up. But yeah. Yeah, cigars aren't that bad if you just know how to actually use yeah. the thing. Uh, I did not. I had no idea. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I uh, see. My thing is that at this point, I uh, when it comes to like carts and mm. jewels and mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing, I imagine I've done enough damage to my lungs that I need to like stay away from that as much as I possibly can for yeah. like another 40 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can absolutely do more damage. I feel like there are people who have, I mean, you could, like that's the thing is that like, I'm, I'm certain I can fuck my shit up. Don't tempt me with a good time, you know? Uh, but, uh, that, that's my thing is that like, uh, I'm like, I, I've become a little bit more, health conscious in that regard like specifically uh-huh. my insides <laughs> i'm like my yeah. heart and my lungs yeah i don't want to fuck with that like that that is the shit where i'm like if mm-hmm. that shit fucks up i'm done you know like that's that's the stuff that i don't i don't play yeah. with um gone yeah. forever yeah. and i had I mean, like i mean like eh, fucking every day for five fucking years you know what i'm saying like and that's, I know, I know there's so much more damage I can do, but that's not no damage. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, that's that, something. It's um, kind of a thought that always scares me that I don't like to think about is like, this is new technology. Like, the, yeah. like carts and like vapes, like very new technology. We have no idea what happens to older people. Like, as you grow up, like we have no fucking clue what's like going to happen. And like, I guess same, I mean, like, this is the less, this is the lesser thing, but like, same with these motherfuckers. You keep one of these in your pocket. That's true. What's that this do? True. What's this do to you? Is, you know, like you're more, psycho, more psychological damage, I think, than yeah, than any, sure, right. anything else. Uh, brain rot, I think, uh, maybe could be in a. Well, and I mean, it's it's usually the first thing you look at and the last thing you look at during mm-hmm. the day, and it's like that's that's got to change our psychology somehow. Crazy how oh, like fuck. naked you feel if you don't have your phone. Like if mm-hmm. you if you go just walk outside get in your car without your phone you're like i can't leave like i can't leave home like i yeah i, I could not leave. i have to go and get my phone in order yeah to no, leave. and it feels like you're in danger like literally like what if something happens and i need my phone or like even like mm-hmm. sometimes when we were we just fucking we just went i i remember just going as a kid like i didn't even yep. think of any it's like I'm fucking. I'm gone. I open the door. I'm outside. My friends are five blocks down. I don't give up. I'm riding my bike. I'm yeah. just going. I'm like, I what if there's something I need to hear about in the exact moment that someone needs to tell me. You mm-hmm. know, I'm like, what? What if an emergency occurs and I'm I'm just I'm out driving. You know, exactly. Uh, you know, like it's, it's, it's how often does that happen to me? Never. You yeah. know, like why why would it happen today? You know, but then that's the other thing. I'm like, well, then, like, of course it would happen today because it's never happened before. You know, like, uh, you know, so that's that's you know that's the kind of brain I'm rocking. Is that the voice? 
twist of your anxiety. <laughs> yes, it's exactly it. It's exactly that. Uh, and almost every scenario is like, well, has that ever happened? No. Well, then of course it would happen today. That's like, a, that's a, and the odds are even greater of it happening yeah. today. Than yeah, exactly. it your, your anxiety voice has the conviction of Batman. It's like, of course you must be prepared at all times. Yes, exactly. Exactly. With prep time, I can do anything, you know? Uh, <laughs> man. I mean, honestly though, like it's, I had no idea that reporters could actually like get that involved in like a drug cartel or whatever that was at the beginning and like just get in there. Like is, is that like just himself putting his own life on the line to get that information or is that like CBS like wanting that to happen? You know? I mean, uh, it seemed that CBS is obviously like, well, if we can get this interview, that would be lovely. But I don't think they're just assigning anybody to do that. You know, they're not going to okay, be like, right. and you, yeah, you seem like you're up for it. Go ahead. Get, you know, blindfolded and taken into a, a back room somewhere and tell he me how it goes. He wasn't a day to day journalist per se. He was a producer, which means that mm-hmm. he kind of okay. works on longer term assignments with, um, I guess arranging the elements necessary to produce that mm-hmm. thirty-minute segment for sixty minutes or six, I guess sixty-minute segment. Um, so he's mm-hmm. just working on getting the right contacts and mm-hmm. interviews more so than like the actual journalistic outcome of it. So it's like I think his job is just kind of to do what it takes in a lot of ways to, yeah. to get the story. Um, even more than it would be for a journalist who's just kind of following. The, the, yeah, you know, and I'm sure yeah. there was a point in his career where that he was the guy asking the questions, and he was the guy who was, you know, get getting his hands. I mean, I mean, like he's the guy getting his hands dirty now, but um, he's like the like, under, he's like the, he's like an undercover cop, you know? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. You know, but, like, but this, cool. That'd be a sick ass job. I mean, just to be oh, like, and eh, that story doesn't really interest me. I don't give a fuck. But ooh. What's going on in Mexico right now? I'll fucking take a plane and see yeah. what's going on here. Well, the, like all the people honor. he was calling throughout the movie to be like, oh yeah, see if Mexico City, like see if he can get in Mexico City and we'll we'll figure something out. You know, um, yeah. like just throughout. I thought, the, and I thought he, all of it was trying to connect somehow, but I think it's just a show. Like that's just his life. That's, that's just, just his life. That is what he does. What he does. There was yeah. there was some impressive tension building, like even at the beginning of the movie, um, where that package that's like wrapped really weird gets left oh. at his front door. Yeah. Um, was that like a, cause the Unabomber, that was the, Oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking of the Oklahoma city that was the Unabomber. The one who did send packages to people's homes and, and they, they went or was the Unabomber. I thought that the was Unabomber, like, the, you're thinking of the right thing in Oklahoma city. I don't know if the, the, Unabomber the, the like hospital where it was like pregnant women and children like that. He blew like, that's the Farrah building. Is that what it's called? Or something like that. Um, that's the Unabomber with fertil- the white van fertilizer and and whatever in the back of his van. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, that to. that package was very because I, I thought I was maybe getting him confused with that package because I know that there was a serial. Uh, that's what they did. They sent bombs in the in the mail, you know. And mm-hmm. I forgot. I don't know. I I, thought, I feel like I've heard that somewhere, but I was like, I thought the Unabomber was. No, I mean the Unabomber did shit for twenty fucking years before he got caught. Like it was a fuck. It was a long running thing. It wasn't like he did one thing and then they were like, "Well, we got to catch this motherfucker." Like he, he did shit for a long fucking time. Uh, Oh my god! I thought it was the one in Oklahoma City, the building, and that was it. Are we? Am I? Do I have the right person? No way. He was what? 
Wow, Ted, that sounds right, Ted. Yeah, also known as a Unabomber. Yeah, it's kind of weird looking up a person. I just want to see what building he blew up. It's like I don't, but do do I really? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he died earlier this year. Actually, like that was like six months ago. A Ted Kaczynski died. Um, My God, yeah, from 1978 up until 1995. Yeah, male. He did do it through the mail as well, mm-hmm. it looks like. Because oh, um, wow. a mailed bomb kills the president of the California Forestry Association in a Sacramento office. That was his last kill, I guess. Or maybe He only killed three people. Oh. He injured he injured a ton of people, but yeah, he only he only killed three. Um so this is... only three is a lot of people to kill. So like don't don't get me wrong, but in a in a twenty year career of domestic terrorism, it's pretty Pretty low um, record. Okay. The F- Alfred P. Murrah build- Federal Building in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I don't. Perpetrators. T- Timothy McVeigh. That's the, the guy who I'm thinking of, the Oklahoma City bombing. He was just the one. That's just all he did. Oh, just one okay. building he blew up. That's interesting. Um, I always thought the Oklahoma City guy was also was also the Unabomber. But... Timothy James McVeigh. That sounded, I don't know, that did sound a whole lot more. Right, yeah, bombing killed 168 people, 19 of whom were children, destroyed one-third Amazing. of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. Yeah, that's devastating. Um, that's sad. That yeah, is, yeah. But, uh, anywho, the, the beginning of the movie, um, the one that, like, when he got that package, mm-hmm. I thought we were about to, like, the Michael Mann movies we've been watching, I thought we were about to hit the ground fucking running. I thought that thing was going to explode, yeah. kill his kids, and we yeah. were going to get, like, we were going to roll moment the whole movie i'm just like something gruesome and out of pocket is about to happen wow. and it never Dang. quite did but i that doesn't mean i didn't get that like up to that emotional no you register. got it you got that blood pumping that i mean that yeah. raccoon scene like bro when his daughter comes in and is like why is there somebody in the backyard i'm like oh no i thought you were oh. talking like when she walks back outside um, and he's yeah, like, he, you know, he's looking around. Gonna, I, I thought, thought he, I thought he was going to get startled and shoot her. I was like, I, like I, every thought was going through my head during yeah. the like the suspense scenes. And maybe that's his strategy. He made Thief Manhunter Heat all movies in which you are fucking. I mean, it's like you're dealing with death or guns or mm-hmm. something of the sort. Um, uh-huh. And and then now it's like, so you know what he does, you know like what it's all about and then so maybe you're just expecting that like from him maybe like i don't know if that was like a like he utilized that if he knew that people going into the theaters at the time would would think of his movies this way but Mm -hmm. i don't know it works like it it honestly works better that there's nothing that happens like it's more scary it's more thrilling to have like all this build up and it's like oh it was nothing like it like I, I honestly would rather it end in like an explosion or a death, and have some like closure for me feeling that that suspense or or something. No, but yeah, no, it's, it's all, just the it, it, well, the and I mean light. like there was like a intense. There's this feeling I get that's not really. It happens a lot in horror movies, but it's not like I'm scared. It's more just like. Oh, that's eerie. And it's where I get like goosebumps all the way down my back and along my arms and through my uh-huh. neck. And whenever right. his wife walks into the basement 
and that email pops up that's like, we will kill you. We will kill all of you. Shut the fuck up. I was like, like, that's the feeling. I was like, that's it. That's a fucking threat right there, man. That was one of the little, if you didn't watch the end, that was one of the little excerpts at the end that was like, uh, it was never proven, uh, mm. who sent those emails, uh-huh. but he got those emails. Um, yeah. oh, and there's wow. not many options as to who would have sent those fucking emails, you know, um, in the nineties as well. You think there's right. like, I mean, like today, there's just so many people on the internet. It's like, I could be a troll, but like this is, insider information you know like only a few people knew that he was even talking in the first place um, yeah and like knew who he was would know his email address you know sort of thing it's like yeah no that's i was like no shot like no if i knew something i don't know like that's the thing if what if i learned something that i have to say you know sort of thing but i know if i break the silence i'm I'm done, you know? It's like, I think this movie, I don't know. Like, at the end, it's all, it it all worked out. But, uh, I don't know if I want to go through all that. That's, that's not a fun, he lost his wife, you know, in the middle of all this. Um, you know, fair enough. Uh, No, yeah, like, that's what sucks, too, is you're like, man, I can't, can't blame her, you know? Like, it, and the thing that really, really sucks is that, like, he was doing the the abject right thing. He was doing the correct thing to benefit the most mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, the the place where he kind of fucked up is that he like never told his wife anything uh, along the way. No, no, he I think was that never was like, a, a they were. Tr- I think they were trying to say that that that's kind of how he always is. Like he mm-hmm. he's a very literal kind of person and like every interaction they had um like whenever she's like i can't do this anymore like i i li- i don't i cannot handle this he's like can we talk about it when when i get back you know that's literally what he says and he thinks that that's like a completely okay response to like what like i don't think it's like him not knowing what to say i i mean he doesn't know what to say but i think it's more of just like Will you allow me to like priorities at this specific? Yeah, he's he's just so concentrated that like the his idea of social. I mean, social cues. They say it. You know, they're off a little bit, and Mm -hmm. and like uh, I don't know. I guess his character assassination thing, and that might be the only thing about this movie that might be a little bloated. Like I do, I do enjoy the work that Lowell has to do for him. And it yeah. creates some of the more interesting journalistic moments of the movie is him protecting Jeff's character and going to bat for him and, you know, disproving everything in his free time and trying his best to, you know, protect this story at all costs. Um, but I suppose if there was a point in the movie that I could consider bloated is that we probably spent a little too much time on the character assassination thing. I think you could get that across with not quite as much as they did, you know, like, uh, that, yeah. that might be, the, that might be the portion of the movie I can see is bloated. And if they're gonna do it, uh, include more of showing how it's making him go like crazy, like include more of, of, uh, what's his actual name? Um, Jeff? Yeah. Wigand? Wigand? Wigand or Wigand, I can't remember. Wigand, that's right. I knew Wigand didn't sound right. Wigand. Um, I feel like they, they, they could have shown more of his like personal life going to shit and like had his wife in there a little bit more or him telling his kids like 
I don't, I, I guess he's waiting. He doesn't want to say, or like, I don't know. He's like wanting this to be aired so bad, but he won't tell them if it's not aired, you know, like it has to be aired in order for him to even tell his kids that what he's doing, um, which I guess is a little weird. But well, I think it's just that his kids won't understand, you know, like there's true. no, yeah. there's nothing tangible about it until it yeah. happens, you know, because like they see him on the, on TV first being like a shoplifter and, and like a really yeah. bad picture of him, you know, that's how they see him first. Um, just wild. It's wild that they really spent the time coming up with 500 pages of a smear campaign on some doctor who's like, Probably and not. All they had against him was like a parking ticket, shoplifting mm-hmm. some alcohol, and like a thing he bought on TV that he didn't pay for, a check bounce back or something like that stupid, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, how do you, one, how do you, what lengths do you have to go to to even understand, like, how, to even find this information out? Like, right. And mm-hmm. to think that people are going to legitimize it too, like, it's just, it just seemed like a. Well, this is, a, this is a practice that you see modernly where it's like, uh, Every time anyone does anything to fight the powers that be, or even not fight the powers, I mean, like tragically, one of the one of the more disturbing versions of this is when someone is murdered by the police, um, mm. and everyone's like, "Well, how about that time in two thousand nine? He did this." It's like, so he deserved to die, you know? Like that's that's what you mean by that, uh, like that that's the sort of that's. Yeah. Like, what the yeah. fuck are we doing here? You know, like, that's not that's not the point here at all. You know, um, it's obviously a pretty extreme example of it, but that's still something it's something you see as recently as within the last couple of years. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the smear campaigns I mean, and every political race is not a race to say why you are the best candidate and why you should be there. It is a it is a race to say why the other person person shouldn't. And um, I've, seen, I've seen some, some local polit like some like state level smear campaigns like randomly on YouTube and stuff, and I'm like, this is kind of comical. Like they're just like it's this hilarious. person doesn't care about babies or some shit like that. And you're just like, someone paid this person wants to kill feet. <laughs> <laughs> like, how about talk about yourself? You know, I, I don't know. You're right. Like a why? Don't tell me why you're the guy. Not don't tell me why they're not. You know, like uh, it just. Oh, it's just you know the right people and you have a shit ton of money and yeah. everyone that runs the yeah. government will be the same people forever. Yeah, uh, no, like, it's uh, it's a disturbing, it's a disturbing cycle. Um, but nah, man, I think that this movie, you know, we've talked about far more than just what this movie is about, and I think it's because this movie is about a lot more than it lets on. You know, I think that's the point. Yeah, that's it's. I think it is to to get the conversation going. And I feel like that's why Michael Mann made the movie. I mean, if, if there is any reason to him making the movie and like, if, if there has to be, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just beyond the story should be told. Yeah. I feel like that that's the message you get coming out of this is that there's so much that goes on in the corporate world that most people just, you know, I mean, you saw everyone in the airport, or whatever, whenever they actually aired it, like how their attentions were on the news. Like it was like the news was on, they're like, they're wired in. Like it's, that's how they got everything, you know? And like even the janitor cleaning the airport, you know, he's like trying to do it. Like he's just watching the whole time. And it's because they, they fully trusted those people. It was like, this is the news. This is where you get your information. But now it's like you try your best to stay away from the news 
Um, mm-hmm. And like it's it's only like grandpas and grandmas that still like watch the news. It's like oh, you only get watch fucking radicalized uh, yeah. by yeah. by the five o'clock news. Like thank God that's what we've got going on. You know, thank yeah. thank God that uh, my my fucking seventy year old grandma can watch Fox for a little bit and be like, hmm. Maybe you know. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I but, think uh, the new wave, like it, it's the new wave of media that will come in. I think is like influencers, like oh, YouTubers yeah. or Twitch streamers or um, like celebrities will be the the money pusher. The to like, hey, tell this to your audience, um, and here's a bunch of money. Um, I think like that's that's the new way. I think people or companies are starting to realize how important like. Like a Twitch stream, like Mr. Beast, uh, the biggest YouTuber, like he, like every video he makes is bigger than the Super Bowl. Like it's a, a, a YouTube video is bigger than the biggest sporting event. I guess maybe the World Cup is bigger. I don't know. Um, but like he is actively pulling in tens of millions of people. And like it's crazy that he can demand Super Bowl commercial prices for like his ad reads. And that's yeah. like, that's crazy that that's a thing now, but it like is. before you had to be a CBS, you had to be like a big, very large company in order to like do these things. And now it's just, mm-hmm. you could be a random guy making some YouTube videos in your backyard. Um, which is, which is kind of like helping to, um, I mean, there's always blurred lines because corporate entities have tried to break their way into that kind of more grassroots kind of promotion uh, mm-hmm. uh, world because like you'll you'll I was watched something um, the other week on YouTube and it was talking about other YouTube channels that are like corporate sponsored and it was like a bunch that I'd seen before just randomly but never thought to be like oh there's probably some massive corporation that has like a yeah. team of 20 people producing these videos so that they can always have a new video. They're getting astroturfed, like, man. Like they're, yeah. they're getting boosted because they, they, and they are not promoting it as part of that. You know, it's not like, Oh, and we're brought to you by fucking CBS, you know, like it's right. Uh, right. There's just rolling a, like, in the dough. There's a science channel on YouTube that I used to watch all the time. I don't know how to say it. He has like the the English name is like in a nutshell. It's like it's, it starts with a K, like Kurzagnat or something. Out some like oh, I heard of this. I heard of this one. Yeah, and I'm I believe Bill Gates funds this YouTube channel. Like is kind oh, wow. of the like sole beneficiary of this YouTube channel, and like it was never known at all. Like it was it, it was believed that this was just a guy that was very passionate about science. Like it's one voice. The animation style is the same every time. So like it's it's somewhat feasible to think that it's one person, but no, it's it is like Microsoft. It is like Bill Gates. Like I'm assuming you know has some control of what they do videos over or like puts out what they want. But like why would he? Why would one of the richest people in the world want to fund like a YouTube channel so so actively and so much? Mm. Uh, is, is interesting uh, to to think about. But I believe. I think it was Bill Gates. I kind of want to make sure. I, I want to check my integrity here, and I'm not just spitballing. Yeah, in 2015, um, the channel received a, fi- a $570,000 grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, mm-hmm. who wow. later became one of their key sponsors. So they mm-hmm. started, they did start oh, okay. grassroots, yeah. and it wasn't, yeah. it was two years into their cr- content creation that they they gave them that sort of Holy boost. Shit. 
can you imagine making YouTube videos and then Bill and Melinda Gates come up to you and like, we want to give you half of a billion dollars. Um, what do you think? Uh, right, it was five hundred million. That's what you 500, said. Five hundred, uh, five hundred thousand. So oh, half a oh, million. Okay, okay. Still, uh, to me, still half, a lot. Still a ton. Half of, money, yeah. half of a million. Is if someone came to us and was like, "Here's five hundred thousand dollars to do what you're doing," um, okay, you know, uh, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, media. It is. It is. It's a very interesting. Uh, not, not a comp. I don't know. Like, just area of like, he, like it's it's such a big human thing. Like, it's such a big factor in our lives, the media, and like it's mm-hmm. crazy how like just seen it evolve with the internet and and everything, and and not because we can look back now and be like, oh yeah, they were op- so obviously doing smear campaigns uh, for this person, and and all, like we know because we have all the hindsight and we Bro. have all the. There's there was a dude running for president and like I 2004 I think was trying to be the Republican candidate and and they that is what he that is what he was doing and there's a video there was a video of him that ruined just destroyed his campaign and all he did was go I want to go to this place I want to go to this place I want to go to this place and to top off the whole thing he went yeah and that <laughs> destroyed him that destroyed him what? now the top republican candidate has been impeached as president three fucking times you know like that's fucking insane <laughs> yeah the, that I, is insane. I, no I, I have like zero uh like focus zero amount of my energy goes to politics today like it is like i keep up with just who's the current president and like if we're at war like with the the global conflicts and stuff like that but as far as like campaigns and like me going to i like i am not going to vote like i know that's probably bad uh to to say um but like i i firmly believe that there is my vote actually does nothing like i how do we actually know if our vote does anything anymore it is a number on a tv screen um and then we're just i i don't know i I'm I'm kind of out of the U.S. government uh, for as long as as long as I'm around for now, at least. I don't know. It's going to take something quite big, uh, quite a very big change to you mean to me you back mean in. This guy isn't doing enough for you. It's it's fucking crazy. You know, it's fucking it's out there. It's great. It's a different world out there now. And you know, we're gonna keep trying our best to do what we can by our country. It's great. We're gonna do it. Uh, Joe fucking Biden, man. Um, he had one hard Joe line, Biden. I think, in his presidency, and it's that we own the finish line. That line, whenever he says, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, it's it's all patriotic, it's all, like, war or whatever, and it's, you know, but, like, that's, that's like, kind of the one thing I was like, you know what, Joe? You probably didn't even come up with that, but if you did, good on you, dude. That was, that was no, kind of sick. <laughs> the thing um, I was talking about a little bit ago has its own Wikipedia page. It's called the Dean Scream. Um, it was a speech delivered by Howard Dean, the former governor of Vermont on January 19th, uh, 2004 at, uh, at the Valair ballroom in West Des Moines, Iowa. So at the Iowa caucus, um, he wanted to reassure his, uh, supporters. So he started listing states that he would win to raucous audience before screaming. Yeah. And within four days, it was broadcast 633 times on national news networks and cable channels. 
And following the scream, Dean lost more primaries and suspended his campaign following his third place result in Wisconsin. Some commentators have described the speech as a political gaffe that destroyed Dean's campaign. Yes. Yeah, I'm watching now, it right now. And he's, a decent he's chance he loses it anyway. He's lit like I'm I just watched it. The crowd is loving it for one. Oh yeah. And like it's it's very like in happy good spirits. Like no side of politically. It's like it's just like a motivational speaker no, getting yeah. he's just getting hyped. Yeah. yeah, he's just getting hyped. Uh Dave Chappelle did a whole fucking thing. Uh did a did a spoof of it. Um the Dave Chappelle Dean Scream, I'm sure you'll be able to find somewhere. Wow. It's very fucking funny. Wow. Um, I guess obviously when guess, the, the Chappelle yeah. show was on and stuff. I guess um, presidents back then were much more presidential. Like you expected them to ha- hold themselves in a different way than other people, you know, I guess and like just respectable. <laughs> yeah, like like so Obama the guy you're like yeah, he seems like the a last man. Obama was the last presidential president, president. that yeah. we've had. Yeah, I, honestly, just the last president we've had. Um, just, in gen- <laughs> just in general, uh, I think in terms of persona, yes, yeah. In terms yeah. of in terms of presence, yeah, uh, eloquence uh, and ability to sound intelligent. Oh yeah. yeah, man was man was regal to a point. Oh yeah, you know, like you know how fucking crazy it is. I. <sighs> I don't find myself to be, I mean, like, I'm, I'm of relatively above average intelligence. Hmm? I would say I, I'm not I so fucking yeah. smart. I am not, I'm not dumb. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the last two presidents in office, for me to be confident 100% that I am smarter than both of them. Yeah. And I have been since I was 16. You know, like not, not like, and I was a dumbass, you know, like that's, I'm willing to say that at, at six, 16, 17, 18, I was an idiot. I knew better than these motherfuckers. I'll tell you that, you know, that's um, that's, that's why I think, I mean, I don't think it really, the position just doesn't even matter anymore. Like, that's why, like, I, I don't have any will to, or reason to vote. It's like the president's already decided long before the polls are even opened. And yeah. even whenever they are in there, they're going to be puppeteered. And don't exactly. you know? It's going to be done anyway. So it's like I, I'm I'm just waiting until I can go to Japan or Iceland or uh, somewhere else eventually in my adult life. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't know uh, when I spend my retirement days out. But didn't leave the country. I would if I could. Yeah, you know? I, I would very much like to. I just maybe to, I will. Don't I tempt me with to, a good yeah. time. As long as I got a good pharmacy wherever I'm going, that's all I need. I just need medicine to stay alive, and as long as I got that, I'm I'm cool. There you go. Um, No, man, it's uh, (laughs) we we live we live in a place. We certainly do. Um, Look at the combos, though. Look at the combos. Man can uh, get out of you. You know, Uh, you don't get that out of heat. Heat is just like holy fuck. We watched an insane movie. That was insane. I want like I I I've had no movie experience like that. It was just awesome. But it never once was like oh. Let me think of the integrity of media today and how they are affecting uh, the population right now. And like, I'm not, I'm not getting philosophical whenever I'm watching Heat, you know. But uh, this movie, no, it's a. There are many checkpoints that I have where I'm like, oh, that's how it used to be. Like, oh, and this is how it is today. And like, was a very, I don't know, a very. It's highly. It feels highly aware and highly intelligent. Like, it just seems like the people behind this movie. Like, there's a mm-hmm. reason. 
Al Pacino's in this movie and it was considered a, even though it was considered a box office failure, it's just because it was just a damn good movie. Um, mm-hmm. There was no, yeah, I guess the Matrix and Fight Club coming out that year. That That's crazy to think that that, that was the same year. Just so such different movies, though. You know, 1999 I mean, like, is kind of an absurd year for movies. I was also like reading that Disney apparently uh, produced this, which is surprising. Really? Yeah. Disney had its hands in a lot of other shit in the uh, in the 90s than it does now. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, like they also did Rushmore, Wes Anderson. Uh, oh wow. Uh, okay. Jason hmm. Schwartzman. Okay. Uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'd, I didn't know that, but I, I knew my, I, I don't know, I'd, I could feel, hmm, were there as many mannerisms, though, in this one as, as the last was, yeah. yeah. Mannerisms, yeah. There was, there was some light blue, now that I'm, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, no, like the, the golf scene blue. specifically yeah. uh, was very, very, uh, very mm-hmm. man-esque. Um, there was, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the raccoon scene, anytime he is tension building, that is, I mean, there's a moment where Al Pacino gets on the phone high above the New York City skyline, and you can see Central Park and all the fucking buildings in the background, and it keeps shifting focus from him to the city outside to him to the city outside. And I was just like, oh, you know Michael Mann loved that location. You know he loved that location. Um, And every single one of his movies so far, uh, at least the ones we've covered, are there any gaps or any movies in between? Yes, oh, yes, there, there are a few. Uh, but at least the ones we've covered. Uh, he loves a good horizon. He loves a good uh, ocean. Oh, yeah, Russell Crowe, when he's talking, he's thinking about going and testifying. That's a whole scene we haven't really talked about that's incredible. Um, yeah. His Fuck lawyer being I'm going to get his testimony, and you're going to fucking sit there. And, like, all that. I was like, <laughs> that dude was electric. Electric. And the way he shut everybody the fuck down. Like, the lawyer that was pushing him was like, Objection, objection, objection. He's like, shut the fuck. We understand, dude. Like, he's like, she got it in her little keyboard over there. We're moving on. Like, oh, yeah, that dude was awesome. Uh, He took his his five minutes of fame and ran with it. He went over the top, but it was perfect for that role. Like, that was like a, I don't know, it it fits so well. But the before, like, leading up to that, whenever he's, like, talking with the, the legal people, and he's like, yeah, once you go back to Kentucky... Like you're, you can be prosecuted. Like you're, there's nothing we can do to really protect you when you go back. Uh, this is a very big decision to make. Um, I understand if you don't want to, blah, blah, blah. And then he walks outside, you know, and he's kind of like, just like pacing back and forth. And I love, like, it's literally like a fuck it. Let's go to court. Like he lit, like he lit, like literally, like fuck Uh it. We got it. We're going. We're going to fucking court. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of shit in this movie that we didn't really touch on, you know, like his, uh, his his daughter with asthma, like the beginning sequence where his other daughter's like, mommy, daddy. And like they, they have to run and the way he like calms her down and explains what's happening and yeah. how it happened. And you see like this genuine love from his wife in that yeah. moment, which is like the only scene in the movie. You probably get that. Um, it seemed that they were t- really trying to show that he was a good father. Like yes, he was, like, he loved he um, loved his kids. Yeah, and even like uh, I remember, like th- they were with their mom for something, and she was. They were like, "Well, daddy takes me to blah blah blah. Like, do, can we do that? You know?" And she was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, we can do. Yeah, I guess we There's can do a that." Few things like, they do to enhance that character a great deal, like gardening, uh, setting up the garden, and the yeah. new house, and and then 
you know, she kind of looks out the window and has another like, ah, like what? That's that's a I love that moment, you know, of like a, yeah. a parent looking at the other parent with the kids and like just yeah. ah, I don't know. That's You're like, yeah, I've got I've got everything I need sort of thing. You know, I loved uh, I love that amidst the entire smear campaign, Jeffrey Wigand is on TV for uh, bad shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, like it's it's uh, he's getting a giant smear campaign against him. Uh, he goes to school and his students are fucking oh, wrapped. They, they love him. They yeah. love him. You know, yeah. like uh, and that's not something they emphasize. They don't. They don't tune into that. They don't like. Nope. They're not like. And here's how. Like here's how you know he was a good guy. No, like it's just something they yeah. keep coming back to. His kids respect him. They listen to him. They like. They he made chemistry interesting for them. You know, yeah. like uh. I thought he was I, about love, to be a, I love that stuff. I thought he was about to be a terrible teacher. Like whenever he was like, "I gotta teach," you know, it's like I I gotta have some job. I thought he was like gonna suck socially. Um, and I but then like no, he was like from the very jump, like he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm." Uh, Any of you ever taken a chemistry class before? No, yeah. well, I've never taught one, so this should go well. <laughs> yeah. You, know? yeah. you want to call me something else? Uh, just do that behind my back, you know, yeah, and like yes. Yeah. Like he was, I don't know. He was very. It, it was. It was nice. But the moment of checking back in when he was just giving like a lecture or something, um, was awesome. And oh, I guess there was one other time at the school whenever he's uh, on the phone with uh, Lowell. Yeah, I still can't do it. It just sounds like I'm saying LOL, but the <laughs> word uh, Bergman. Bergman. Uh, he's on the phone. He's like, yeah, like yelling. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, they're gonna smear you. They did this. They brought this out. Like, what the? What else are you not telling me? And he's like yelling, and you can see the kids. Like, that's like, what are you? Like, we don't know you yeah. like that. Like, what yeah. is going on, dude? Um, but no, I forgot that he was a teacher for a little bit in there. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a it big says, movie, you know. Like there is there is a lot that happens, you know. Um, it's a huge but uh, do we feel like we're ready for a rating on this bad boy? I think we might think so. might be at that time. Yeah. All right. So as per usual, we've only got enjoyment and critical rating. You know, we, it's not the comic book movie project. We don't have genre. We don't have adaptation. We don't have all that good shit. Um, so we're just uh, we're just straightforward with it. On a scale of one to ten, how are you guys feeling about this enjoyment wise? I put this at an eight. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it was it was pretty. It was all around for me. It, it, you know, I don't know. I I could be talked into a higher number, but I think I'm I'm starting at eight. I get you. I like that. For our range, uh, going back, that's King of Comedy. Uh, we gave an eight enjoyment. Um, The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. We gave an eight. Uh, that would be it. Um, for eights. And we gave Manhunter um, a seven seven five a couple weeks back. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, no, I I'm it's, uh, it's above Manhunter. Um. Oh, yeah, I think no. that's, that's that's for, for me. Sure. This is uh, as far as Michael Mann. This is the fifth Michael Mann movie I've watched, um, and for me, it's top two, uh, right behind Heat. Um, yeah, Heat's kind of tough to beat. I mean, there's no, nah, yeah, shit. like that's just that was a movie. Have, have you seen that one, Tavares? I haven't actually seen Heat. Oh, oh, oh. you gotta watch it. Gotta watch three it. Three hours. It is. It is three hours, but it is every every bit is worth it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably it, more so than this one. Uh, I think that it's incredible. A lot of people would tell you that's one of the greatest movies ever made, and I would kind of agree with them. Um, it was, it was very, very nice. Uh, very fruitful. To, um, to talk so yeah. no, it's not quite that. And we gave that a ten. Enjoy. Yeah, that was a ten. That was, that was a surefire yeah. ten. Um, and whenever we want to give something a ten, it's kind of there's no hesitation, there's no doubt. You know, it's a ten. Right. That's it. Okay. Um, and this is not that. You know. 
Um, I don't think it's, it's, but for me, I, my, my gut took me more around high eights close to nine, you know, like that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. about where I was simply because I, I like, I can't emphasize enough how much the journalism side of this thing had me wrapped. I, I was like just so, yeah, yeah, I really, really liked the journalistic side of it. And I think like, uh, if French Dispatch could have had a little bit of that, oh my god! Like if it could have like made me want to be a journalist more, that movie would be fucking. No, oh, yeah, was, French Dispatch is definitely like, a whole other kind of film. For are sure. being told, you're seeing um, the stories be told instead of like the process of it happening. And it's also uh, less, um, it's also less investigative. It's just writers yeah, writing stuff they want to write. You know, yeah, it's not, not over yeah. a massive nationwide or even global problem. It's just like, yeah. a, hey, this guy made some art in prison, or uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a, yeah, um, and but, they're very they serve very different purposes. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and for me, you know, like when we did the top 100, the French Dispatch found itself around uh, top six. So I'm also mm-hmm. not quite French Dispatch level okay. um, personally. Yeah. Um, but we also gave that a 10. So, um, there's that. Um, I like, I, um, I'm kind of liking the the, just nine flat is Fight Club, um, Gangs of New York, um, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I'm, I'm around there, you know, I like on a personal note, on a personal note. Mr. I Fox think is that nine, um, is it not a nine two five? It's a nine flat for enjoyment. Uh, nine two five critically. Um, okay. Um, we were harsher at the beginning. That was that was early. That was our fourth movie. Those were early um, goings. It was early goings. Yes, yes, yes. Um, um, but I mean, I'm I'm thinking eight seven five or nine. Um, ooh, it, does it tie Thief in the Killer? That those are eight seven fives. Um, I mean, uh, for, for me, uh, it, mm. for me, I would watch this and this is going to sound shocking to a lot of people. I would watch this sooner than fight club again. Um, I, I almost immediately had the instant, like in the middle of it, I'm like, I need to rewatch this. Cause there's like, it's just every, something's happening really quickly. There's yeah. It's just a big fucking story. Two, yeah. Know? Two different kind of rewatches fight club. It's like. It's a. It's just more of a f- literal fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like a rewatch it's that ripping, you just you know? kind of want to like understand it more. And you're like, I just it. I I don't know. I felt like I missed some some cues or or maybe some some. I don't like. I feel like I missed some stuff probably. And mm-hmm. this would. I, I feel agree. like a, a second watch would would be awesome. So yeah, I guess I don't know. I think. Yeah, Tab. Think did I you know. did you get behind an eight seven five? I can absolutely get behind an eight seven five totally. Because that's, right. I mean, that is still below Fight Club. Yeah, Fight you know, Club. like I don't, I don't want to. That, that's the thing is that I don't want to hijack the number here. You know, if I if that I hijack fair. the number, it's going to be unfair. That is fair. Um, I feel, I feel like an eight seven five though. Like I mean, that's that's with uh, that's wonderful casino. company. I think this is a better movie than Fight Club. Therefore, I think it would ultimately do better in the rating mm, anyway. That's fair. Um, I like yeah. it. I I think an eight seven five. That that does feel right. After Hours, Casino, um, The Killer, Thief. Yeah, that's great company. I think I think that's cool. I think that's where it could be. That's where it could belong. I mean, when I logged this on Letterboxd, for me, it was an instant five stars. 
Mm. Um, oh, wow. of but I treat the letterboxed. I treat the letterboxed ratings a little differently than I do. Like, okay. just, if I if I fucking loved a movie, I'm logging at five stars. You know, like that's yeah, just yeah. kind of how I do it. Um, okay. I'm not as pretentious with my five star ratings as a lot of people are. Like <laughs> I'd be throwing that shit around willy nilly. Yeah. Um, there you go. Okay. Now, yeah, I guess now critically, I don't think it was heat level. Uh, that was that was nine seven five. I don't think we're we're up there. Thief though, uh, we did give a nine two five, and I feel like the only kind of uh, negative critically of like side of this movie is the kind of jumbledness nature of of some things. Like there are like at some points it does get a little chaotic in. Uh, just uh, that's what a journalist life is, you know. It's just it's kind of the point to be chaotic, but it does right. lead for a little bit, you know, not as a great of a viewing experience. But right, you know, I do think it lends itself to a uh, incredible visual experience. I think the chaos and the paranoia and everything they did a really good job of portraying it visually mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't. Uh, I think I think that there's a it, it, Michael Mann's already been a unique filmmaker, but this is even another evolution from what we've already watched you know like this isn't exactly like any of the three that Mm -hmm. came before um and it feels like the next step and an evolution almost for him and i think that that's really fucking cool you know um a master class in paranoia as well like i feel like this is just oh yeah paranoia 101 uh for for like movie making this is i don't know it's it's on i'm trying to think of up there with like mission impossible like uh as far as like yeah, and Tom, Tom Cruise's experience crazy. of paranoia in that yeah. movie is incredible. Mission Impossible, you have this highest stakes. You know, it's like a a a, a spy. Fuck yeah, the mission. I don't even. I have only seen the first one, so I don't even know what the fuck they get into. No, um, I mean like the first one is what like, I'm talking about. Like okay, it's uh, okay, okay, yeah, like, yeah. That's I mean, yeah. the only one where they even really have that angle. Um, mm. that sort of just like he doesn't know who he can trust. Can he trust anybody? Is there anything like uh, yeah. or anywhere yeah. he can turn? Sort of thing. Um. So. And this movie provides you a great thing where, like, he does, he does have that one person. He does have that guy he can turn to. He doesn't know if he can. He doesn't know if he should. But he sort of earns that over the course of the movie, and it's wonderful Absolutely. to watch. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm critically. I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, cool I'm there. Again. Like, what do we get Fight Club critically? Fight Club was an 8-5. Floor 8-7-5. Eight, I'm eight, going 8-7-5 yeah. or 9, yeah. I yeah. could go 8-7-5. The... Eight seven that was Manhunter. We gave Manhunter an eight seven five. Uh, a nine would be the killer. Uh, was was a nine. Have you watched that on Netflix yet, Tavares? Um, with Fastbender. Fastbender. Um, no, that came out recently. Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't seen that. Ella good. Strongly recommend. I think it. I think okay. you'd enjoy it a great deal. But uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 comfortable. I'm you know I could throw out the eight seven five eight seven five split. I would even be comfortable with an eight seven five and nine, um, mostly because like uh, mm-hmm. I just think that uh, quality wise to have this level of intensity in a movie where, like I said, nobody does die. There is no there are no shots fired. There is no yeah. car chase. There's there's nothing like that, and to be this this gripping and this intense and this uh, there's there's such a great amount of tension, and to do that through nothing but filmmaking and not really what's happening is astonishing, you know. It's and astonishing. obviously, part of it is what's happening, but hmm, yeah, this is a 
This is a tough call, whether it's like, because I'm looking at the other nines or eight, seven, fives. Um, nines would be Darjeeling Limited, um, The Prestige, Pennant, Lady Bird, Gangs of New York, and yeah. The Killer, I believe. is Those are all the nines. Um, and then the, the eight, seven, fives. We don't have many. Yeah, I'm like Manhunter. Manhunter is a complicated one because I think Manhunter had like his most satisfying visual language so far mm-hmm. as as far as man is concerned. But I think yeah. the story is just wow. infinitely more compelling. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eight seven five. We either. only have After Hours, Shutter Island, um, and Manhunter. Those three are the eight seven fives. Um, Shutter Island. After hours. I mean, let's not let's not gloss over the performances here by Al Pacino, Russell Crowe. I think it kind of deserves that that nine bump. If if for me, I think I think it it is in that company. Like the killer was very well made, and like it's it's kind of more simple, uh, like going on there. But I think like Gangs of New York, like that's that's a I don't know. The other nine movies seemed like the more the right company, company that it, that it should be in yeah like a ladybird a tenant a prestige um very very well made movies that's the thing um so i'm i'm i think i'm closer to a 9 but i could be okay with an 875 i'm closer to a 9 as well i think that as, as far as this movie being a 9 out of 10 i think i can be comfortable with that you know like uh you know most recently what we discussed uh movie wise was iron man 2 you know mm. and uh mm-hmm. <laughs> where we landed on that one was like five and a half out of ten. Critically, um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> gotta scroll down a little bit for that. You know, one. I feel like I was going out of my way to make that one like seem a little more legitimized, and even still, goddamn, five and yeah. a half out of we 10. just called it a five. <laughs> it was straight up. Oh, we called it a five. This is at least four points better than that movie. Oh, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know, so so like maybe so nine's fair. You know, that's that's that's. You know what? Yeah, I'm not that mad. Um, I, yeah, I like that. It would it would average it out to a uh, an eight nine two. By the way, an eighty nine. Um, if you're going off off that percentage, right. would put it the killer was an eight nine two. The Social Network an eight nine two. Killers of the Flower Moon has it beat barely. Eight or oh never mind. That's a nine eight three. Yeah, I was gonna say that's ninety eight. Um, that's not a point. Yeah. A point above. Written Hello. by the same gentleman, Eric Roth. Um also Ooh. the Killers of the Flower Moon. There we um, go. Yeah. And uh, I think I like that. I like a a good eighty nine percent. That's that's pretty good. That is pretty damn good. Um, yeah. I dig that, uh, you know, and uh as far as I've I've been I've been crafting a little letterbox list here as I am wont to do mm-hmm. of our twenty twenty three ranking by rating, you know, amalgamating all of our ratings over the course of the year and throwing it uh throwing it upon that list. And this would make it a top twenty five movie on the year for us. Um which right. is incredibly strong. And that was tw- top twenty five out of seventy three now. So oh, wow. Um, very, yes. very high up there. As far as the movies we've covered in the director spotlight, 
I feel like it's it's in that top half. That's for sure. If if not like the top quarter, even. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, when, uh, when you're talking about the movies we've done this year, uh, uh, we've done 73 total, 39 of them are comic book movies, and in that top 25, um, there are three three comic book movies, or four. Um, oh, wow. So, so the conclusion is comic book movies on the whole are pretty underwhelming. Below, below par. Um, and don't get me wrong, our top 25 are pretty nice. Our top 25 are all roughly... 88% or higher. We're, we are generous critics, you know, <laughs> hardly consider us critics, you know, um, but Everyone's uh, on a different scale, you know, but yeah, yeah. The, what matters is what is above what and what's yeah. below yeah. what not. Necessarily- and frankly, and, and frankly, it's the least important part of the podcast. You yeah. know, like the point yeah. is the conversation before we get to the rating, we just like quantifying right. shit. You know, Joseph has right. the, yeah, has no, the mathematical actually, mind. I love yeah. making lists and ranking shit. It just makes sense to me. So that's yeah, kind of how I, kind of how I go agree. about it. I would say that this is the most important part of the podcast. If I didn't have this Excel sheet, I would have nothing. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I could not, you know, that's the thing. I uh, I there need it. The, uh, more the director's one is very easy. Just two rank, two ratings, and some favorites. Easy, but the uh, the comic book one that's a little more involved. We got we got a lot of ratings over there, and comparing yeah, all those the comic book as far as the top twenty five here, four four in the top twenty five on the air. The top, the highest is obviously the Dark Knight. Um, yes. The Dark Knight is the highest. After that, it is Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christopher no Nolan's Batman trilogy reigning supreme there. Oh. Uh, then Superman, 1978, and then Spider-Man 2002. So, what, okay. Before, I guess. I'd, yeah. I'd agree with those. Yeah. Like, those are a cut above most of the movies. Um, Definitely. So, uh, yeah, we've had, we've, had a, we've had a nice year, and I'm interested to see where, you know, we've only got two... Michael Mann movies left on the docket. Next week we're doing Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. So that'll be a that'll be a fun viewing. Uh I personally enjoy that movie a great deal. So I'm uh very excited to get to it. Uh, and then we're going to top off the year with uh Ferrari in theaters on Christmas Day. Um likely go see that on December 26th and uh record it on it record on that day and have that episode out the 27th. So it'll be a nice little uh Nice little uh, couple days there. Christmas coming a little late for us with uh, Ferrari there. So, Michael Mann, excited for that. Um, mm-hmm. We also got some comic book movies in the meantime. Uh, last Friday, or is is this Friday Thor? Yes, this Friday is yeah. Thor. Yes. Um, this Friday, Friday is Thor. Thor. Next Friday, we got X-Men First Class. Um, and we'll top off the year with... You know, we're on a pretty, we're on a pretty steady streak here. You know, Thor, it's a hit or miss for some people and some, some or other. I'm, I'm personally pretty hype on Thor. I like Thor. Um, but we wrap up the year. Our last episode of the year for the movie coverage, uh, is 2011's Green Lantern. So can't wait for that. Uh, God damn it. I love that movie. Damn it. I've never seen it. You've never seen it. No, I'm ready though. I'm so ready for whatever's about so to happen. So we got we got a lot to look forward to and obviously on Mondays we are continuing our Game of Thrones rewatch. We are celebrating Christmas here in a couple weeks with season 6 episode 8. Celebrate the new year with the Battle of the Bastards. Um mm-hmm. it'll be a goodie. So I'm very very excited for that. Um yeah. And uh yeah, with that we will conclude this episode of the Penny Bloom podcast if you would. Head to patreon.com slash pennybloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of book reviews, comic book reviews, movie reviews, and the like. 
for three dollars a month you can support this podcast financially which is huge because it costs me money and i don't make any off of it unless it's over there uh head to twitter follow at penny bloom pod follow on instagram at penny bloom podcast remember to leave a five-star rate and review wherever it is you might be listening and to continue downloading that is a huge help for us and i appreciate it greatly um yeah, with that, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And thank you to Varus Pennington. Oh, yeah. It's a great time as always. As always, my friend. And I will see you this Friday for Thor. Um, with that, remember, peace, love, and bloom. And I'm running out of heroes. Guys like you are in short supply. <laughs>